Welcome to the Share a Story podcast. I'm Darian. And I'm Loreen. And we talk about stories that empower, uplifts, and heals. All right. Uh, so, um, did you have any new thoughts about our story we talked about last time, uh, which was uh, renting from that uh, basement apartment? No, just the same thoughts I pondered again during the week. And I even talked to my sister about like my feelings of vulnerability when you shared that story. And it was so interesting to see her be like, uh-huh, yeah, that would never happen. That would never happen in our family or we would never talk about that. And that is not something you share. You do not share uh-huh. failures. So she felt the same way. Yeah. But did she lose respect for you? Not at all, but it's my sister. Well, yeah, like, but... we're different. I'm saying like parents and aunts and uncles; those are the people that start like, or they start giving unsolicited, unsolicited advice, which you never want. Oh, uh huh. Well, you should have <laughs> blah blah blah. Yeah, it's like oh, okay. I'm okay. so glad you walked in my footstep and knew exactly what you sh- I should have done. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So it's not it's not the same, but it would be interesting to ask. No, no. Yeah, I know for sure. <laughs> like I said, my my parents were, you know, like would never mention that I had decided to change focus and become poor. They didn't would not have mentioned that to people. Oh, okay. And they okay. did not. Um, I I wanna say this, uh that like your family is some of the most generous people I think I've ever met. Like Aww, I, I didn't want to, I don't want to give the impression that um, I think badly of your family. Cause I don't at all. I, I know. I, uh, yeah. Like your, your mom is always so kind. She loves cooking my favorite foods. Uh, Overfeeding people. She no. loves. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely her love languages. Preparing yeah. an elaborate meal for someone. And have and just feeding them and giving it to them and yes yeah you know? and it's the same with with uh, your cousins that I've met your aunts and uncles they they are just whenever I've been to their homes they've welcomed me in and just treated me so kind so oh thank so you well. so I, they're kind people yeah. yeah yeah they are thank you yeah for sure well I guess they're your family too yeah well yeah. <laughs> But when we're talking together, it makes more sense to define them in in terms of <laughs> my family and your family. Of course. So, of course. Even though they're all our family now. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So, uh, I I think I've told the story the first couple. Oh yeah. Like, these last two episodes. Yeah. So, how about we switch it up? How about you tell your story first? Yes. Yes. So today I want to talk about one of my favorite, favorite, favorite stories. Okay. Which is. Jane Eyre. Um, oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were, you had a puzzled look in your face like, oh, what is she going to say? Yeah. So uh, to our listener, so Loreen had told me, she's like, oh, I'm going to talk about my favorite book. And I, I've been married to this woman for nearly eight years. And I was like, oh, I know what her favorite book is. But you say that and I'm like, oh yeah, you've told me that before. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's but to be fair, goes. you consume books at about the rate of like two or three a day, I feel like. 
Yeah. Well, at I, least on your heavy reading days. On my heavy reading days. Yeah. I think uh, I read on Amazon. Well, my Amazon. Uh, not Amazon. I think my Amazon Kindle told me, which, you know, I have mixed feelings about them keeping this data. But uh, <laughs> according to them, I think last year or the year before, I read 260 or 70 something books. Um, and I'm both proud of this number and ashamed of that number. I'm like, <laughs> man, I didn't do much of anything, but we did. I? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so I love, love books and I consume a lot of content. And that was just books I read on Amazon Unlimited, right? Not from the library or Barnes and Nobles or anything like that. But yeah, I consume a lot of content. So I could get your confusion that this book would be my favorite and and stuff like that. And it's actually been my favorite book since I was either a freshman or a sophomore in high school. Okay. And so Jane Eyre was written by Charlotte Bronte and it was published in 1847. I'll tell you about the story and then I'll tell you about how I came about to read it and why it became my favorite. Okay. So the story follows Jane, who was an orphan in her aunt and uncle's house. Her uncle had passed away, so it was just with her aunt and her cousins. And she was very much mistreated because she was a poor orphan, orphan, right? And she was also mistreated because she was not pretty. This is where the words plain Jane comes from. She's a plain Jane. It comes from the book Jane Eyre. Oh, okay. Anyway, so she's just the she's just so admirable. Anyway, she she um at the beginning of the book, it, everyone's just cruel to her and uh she especially has a cousin who is very mean, who beats her up and degrades her at every opportunity he can. And at this stage of the book, she's 10 years old and she had been living for a couple of years with this family. And uh, one day uh, she fights back and she gets in trouble with her aunt and he, she, her aunt throws her in the room that her uncle died in and she feels like his ghost is right there and she's panicking and like just banging on the doors. How how old is Jane Eyre when this happens? Ten. ten okay, ten years so old. So she's still ten, yeah. And um, And she passes out. And when she wakes up, there's a doctor looking her over and he pretty much advises the aunt to send her somewhere to school because she's miserable in this house. Right. Like, does the doctor have her best interest? Like, yeah. He yeah. Like, Man, this girl needs to get away from these crazy people. Yeah, I think so. It's been a while since I read the book. I don't know. I used to read it all the time, but it's like there's so many books out there to read that it's hard to just read one book. But man, I've been having an itching to read it again so i might just do that but i tend to not do a lot of physical books as you know because of our little kids <laughs> yeah do you have it on kindle no i do not but i have like two uh two or three editions of the book gotcha okay so she gets sent to this book to this place which is pretty much a home for orphan girls to be educated right mm-hmm. well i should say like from the very beginning she has always had a fascination with with uh intellectual things like reading 
she's always loved to read and stuff like that. Anyway, but um, at this home, it's run by this guy who is just a horrible human being. He's like, you guys are lucky <laughs> that I'm providing anything for you at all. But they were pretty much underfed. They, they weren't sheltered correctly. So a lot of the girls were getting uh, sick. And in the end, this is hard. It's hard to, let me say this, to describe these books because I can't stand spoiling stories for people. I want them to go and read it themselves. And and so uh, I think I'm trying to both describe the story without giving too much away because seriously, you should go read it. I I personally think it's a lovely, lovely book. Okay. So, dear listener, pause the podcast here. Go and read the entirety of Jane Eyre. And then come back. And then and then come back. <laughs> um, no. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think that our listeners are just going to have to resolve that uh, we're going to spoil stuff on this podcast <laughs> in general. We'll try to give warnings yeah. where, where we do. And then you could, you're welcome to... Um, to let us know through comments or emails or whatever whether that is something you would prefer we didn't do if you would prefer like we kept some mystery for you so that you would enjoy it even more yeah but i I have i don't even know how we would do this kind of podcast how we would cover what we cover spoiler free i don't i don't think that that even makes sense well, we'll have to see, right? <laughs> so, but hey, uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but uh Okay. So know. Okay. So, and so then in the book, she just has a few like she meets two important people in her life. And um she just has again some cruel things happening. The headmaster, I guess, is his name, just really targets her. Anyway, so he gets, with everyone getting sick, uh, he gets thrown out as the head of the school and they get some new people when she gets better condition. The sad thing is that her best friend dies with, okay. I think, typhoon. Typhoid? Uh, sorry. Her best friend dies uh, because she contracted typhoid, which is what was going around in the girls' school through the poor conditioning. Okay. So then after that, she has a lovely six, seven years there. Um, and part of it, she spends teaching. She just, well, it just instilled. Can I interrupt you real quick? Okay. Sorry. How does the death affect Jane Eyre of her? Like, how does the death of her best friend affect her? Well, it the way it affects any of us, right? This is uh, not just a best friend, but someone she actually lives with um, since they all live in a group home. but. It just is just to me just one more thing like when she finds happiness, it's one more thing that gets taken away from her. Okay. okay. For me. Right. It, it, but here's the thing about Jane. Well, okay. I'll tell you in a minute. Let me finish describing. Sure, okay, so yeah, go back and do it. Yeah. Okay. So uh, again, read the book to get the more specific details. I'm just going to, go through a general idea of this book because it would take too long to give detail detailed oh, description. Well, our 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 listener obviously paused the podcast to 
little of bit course. ago and read the entirety. So of course, you're, so you're then you, you can fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah. So. So anyway, so what happens is that uh, then she gets a job as a governess, and she becomes a governess for this child, and she meets Mister Rochester, who, as a child, I totally fell in love with. Okay. Um. And how how you said you read this in high school? Yeah, like a freshman or sophomore. Okay. So, um, and at first he's he's kind of he's just passionate and a bit crazy and for me a bit rude and stuff like that. But she falls in love with him because he's just a life of his own, right? Like he's also, he's just like oh my goodness. How do I describe Mr. Rochester? He's like, he has a good heart. But he's the bad boy of the... Yeah, pretty much. He's the bad boy of... Of the 19th century England literature. Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Exactly. But like... Very rich. And he's just okay. used to being indulged was what I felt as I was reading it. Anyway, but they fall in love and... And I'm just in love with how in love with her he is and how all the things she's been told all her life is lacking about herself. He's just doesn't care or doesn't see it. Right. Like she's not the most beautiful woman out there or even the average woman out there. She's pretty, again, plain. And she doesn't have any money. And he's this rich man um, who wants to marry her. And he, and I, I feel like she's a little quieter, but she is, again, Jane's character is, this is the thing. Despite everyone telling her who she should be and how she should be, she is always just herself. She has this core of of iron, um, no matter what the circumstances throw at her, that she will not just lie down and take it. Okay. Nor is she rude, nor is she in your face about it at all. She's just strong. Okay, so it's it's, it's not about I'm trying to think about how to put this. It's not about being all in up in everybody's faces and being like, hey, this is me. And if you don't like it, then you just got to deal with it. So it's not that kind of attitude. No. But it's just more of this quiet. Um, strength. This, this strength where she, she is herself for the sake of herself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, she doesn't let what, others say are her flaws get in the way she doesn't let being woman a woman get in her way being poor or not being pretty or anything like that and so usually and and this kind of time a poor girl marrying such a rich girl like the governess right marrying a rich guy is not something that is done okay but neither her nor mr rochester care much what other people think okay so she's in love and they're getting uh, ready for the wedding. So one thing that's been happening her, during her time living at Mr. Rochester's house, being a tutor to his daughter. So this daughter 
supposedly is not technically his daughter. It's this girl he had an affair with and she had this other daughter from someone else and she just drops her off at his house. And so he's kind of raising her. Okay. okay. Anyways, he hires a governess for her sake. And Jane's just never been as happy as she is now, right? But throughout this whole time, weird things have been happening, which has been uh, blamed on a servant. Like uh, the curtains caught fire at some point in Mr. Rochester's room and she tries to wake him up and she can't. So she puts out the fire and saves his life or just she hears these random laughter and screaming throughout the night. Again, blamed on the servant. And she kind of like... That's kind of weird. Why don't you fire the serpent or do mm-hmm. something about it, right? But that never happens. So, so, she's, so this supposed servant is lighting his room on fire, causing physical danger to the people that live in this house. Okay, okay, go ahead. Sorry. All right. Uh, she's getting ready for her wedding. And um, a few other things happen, right, with this mysterious servant destroying her veil and other things like that. But she is taking her vows to Mr. Rochester and a church when a man stands up and says, hey, you can't you can't get married. He's already a married man. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. And she is destroyed. Like she, she's just, she just doesn't understand how this man she loves and trusts, how this is happening. And so he tells her the story about how he is married to this crazy lady who's trying to kill him. <laughs> and, okay. and he has her locked up in the attic or something of of the top floor and uh, she's the one who's been causing all the mayhem and the servant they've been playing is actually uh, blaming for everything is actually the nurse who takes care of her. Oh, okay. So, but it wasn't the nurse. Yep. It It was was the the, wife. It was the crazy wife. Yeah. And he tells her that he was married because he doesn't consider himself married to this woman. He doesn't like, he's like this, my life has been, Hellish is what he says. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, w- because of this person. And she, anyway. Um, so he pretty much asked her to stay. He's like, I need you in my life. I need this. I'm in love with you. I'm happy. I want you to be my wife. So he pretty much asked her to be his, to stay as his mistress, because obviously he's already married. Yeah. Polygamy wasn't allowed in the British Isles back then. <laughs> so, as far as I know, <laughs> and so, um, she's just pretty much upset and distraught the whole day. And one night, she just runs away, like with just a few a little bit of money on her just a little bit of money and the clothes on her back she just she she kinds of loses all sense of anything and just runs away okay 
and and uh, so she arrives destitute pretty much at at this random place um is this a place where she's been before or this no is no just place? random okay. and um again i admire this so much i admire her so much she did not want to become someone's mistress but uh-huh. she loved this man so much that it was tempting in a way sure but okay. she, that's not who she was and so she runs away with the clothes on her back to make sure she upholds what she believes in okay. to make sure that she doesn't like fall victim to the circumstances of everything and everyone in this home. Okay. So if, if she, if she was going to stay, she knew that she would probably betray her morality at some point. Her so, own sense of self. Yeah. Her, okay. So yeah. Who, who is these core ideals that she believes in. Yeah, yeah. At okay. least this was this is this was my perspective of it. Everyone can decide whatever they want, but this was my perspective of it. Okay. okay. And which I think is a pretty good one. <laughs> um, well, I mean, and like I think we all have those core values in our life, you know, that that are hey, this this is a non-negotiable. Yeah. Like, the world would burn down before I allow myself to do X, Y, or Z. Or, or but that's like, just the thing, though. That's that's the thing. Even though we have non-negotiables, if we allow ourselves to be in situations or with certain people, anyone can fall victim to something or fall victim to themselves and their desires and their um the world around them perspective whatever it is so it's easy to be like i will never betray this it's much harder i think it's much harder to do that when you are in a situation where it's tempting okay so and so it's it's better to just i love that she removed herself from that situation okay so, so she had the, the, I guess, the presence of mind. I, I think the way I was saying it before was maybe not quite right, but she had the presence of mind to realize, hey, if I don't get out now, I'm not going to like what I end up doing. I'm like, I, I'm. I think so. Okay. I think so. And but of also, but also of course, she had this deep, deep sense of betrayal, and she wanted to get away from that as well. Yeah, that I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Who, Who's this Mr. Rochester to put her in this situation? And like And she had, feels for him. She feels like she's like, wow, well, that sure. is a difficult situation you're in. She can see like when he tells the story, it it is sad. But okay. at the same time, it's like, yeah, but you want me to become less. To help you become more happy. Mm-hmm. It, it's just interesting. Anyways, so so then she kind of sort of is led and guided to certain places, right? Okay. It, it's hard to say. Like, there's a mystical aspect of Jane Eyre that I really, really love. As oh. a science fiction and fantasy reader, I really loved. And... um. And so, oh, I should say this. So before, when she was with Mr. Rochester, uh, her her aunt, while he was engaged to another girl, 
this gorgeous girl. She left for a month to take care of her aunt, right? This cruel woman that from her past. And okay. um, because her aunt was sad, her cousin, that guy who tormented her, had committed suicide. Both her daughters uh, didn't speak to her anymore. So this is like a bitter, lonely woman. And um, on her deathbed, she... Jane tries to reconcile with her and she wouldn't allow it. But she gives Jane a letter that had arrived three years earlier where her uncle had wanted her to come live with him. And she didn't give it to Jane because she just was being spiteful. Oh, okay. Okay. So as Jane is traveling from place to place, she meets uh, this, she kinds of faints. And she wakes up and she meets this um, clergyman and his two sisters. And they get really close. She gets close to these two sisters who also, like their family lost money. So they both had to become governesses. And then the clergyman is just this really beautiful, handsome guy and stuff like that. And uh, in the end, you find out that they are her cousins and she she has inherited so so the man who had wanted her her uncle who had wanted her to come live with him who had written the letter he was also their uncle but he cut them out of the will and so he left her with a good sum of money oh okay. which she then decides to split between all of them anyways okay so so these two you said the clergyman's two sisters? The two sisters and him, the clergyman. Okay. She splits the money between the four of them. Oh, okay, okay. Which so, is lovely because then it gives the girls the option of not having to work as governesses. Okay, okay. And uh, the clergyman uh, asked Jane to marry him, even though they're cousins, but, well, you know, hey. whatever. Um, Asked her to marry him, and he doesn't want to live a, like a small clergyman in that town. He wants to do more. So he decides to go to India to make a difference, and he wants her to come with him because he feels like she could definitely contribute so much to um, what they can do over there. Oh, okay. Like, and, like is this, like, proselyting like church or like some kind of mission yeah work? yeah yeah okay like i think it's service it like and wells for I, I have no idea like, i don't know what I, kind of work i think like there done. was a few different kind of work but okay. you know um and it's interesting because she was like but you're you don't love me and i want to marry someone who loves me and he pretty very, much very liberal thoughts for very much 19th so. century. Yeah, and but we know Jane by this point. Jane, Jane, even though she's still a product of her time, but she, she's very good at figuring out what works for her and what okay. doesn't, and then following that. Um, I like that. Me too. <laughs> um, so, you know. Like she spends a long time with them. I don't remember how long, but she spends quite a bit of time with them. Anyway, so he tries to convince her to change her mind. And as she is thinking about it, she has a dream that Mr. Rochester is looking for her. And he 
in and and he um i don't know no it's not a dream be i don't think it's a dream i think um this is where my memory fades i'm pretty sure she's walking and thinking about him and when she hears a voice mr rochester's voice say say where are you jane and she's like i'm coming anyways the next day she decides i'm gonna go visit i'm gonna go find out what happened to him i need to figure that out and at this point she's an independently wealthy woman right how how long ago like how many how much time has passed from when she left mr rochester i don't know if i think it's somewhere between eight months and a year okay so it's not like it's a decade like it's not like no it hasn't been a decade i i think i wish i could remember but like it's been a bit of time but not like five years or whatever you know like it's been a bit of time and i think again eight months to a year maybe a year and a half I don't even know if it's that much, but, but it's not, she's just like curious about what's going on with him. Okay. So then she gets something, she travels to the time where he's at and uh, she goes to the manor and it's burned down. It's destroyed. Okay. And she's just like, what is going on? What happened? Okay. Before I go on, I should mention this. Like, it's interesting seeing the difference between Mr. Rochester and her cousin, the clergyman, right? Because Mr. Rochester, let's let's looks wise, he is not he like beautiful while the clergyman's gorgeous, but he is appealing, right? The, okay, the clergyman is no Mr. Rochester. Mr. Rochester is appealing, is appealing right? Okay. And he is selfish in a way obviously okay right uh i mean there's all these flaws about him while the clergyman spends his time in service okay but what what jane mentions and what i think is so appealing is that she told the clergyman well even though the clergyman spends his time in in service she doesn't feel like he always does it from a good place. It's more like this is my duty and I'll do it. While okay. although Mr. Rochester can be selfish, he can be very kind and gen- dangerous. I mean, very kind and generous. Uh-huh. And so the story she finds out is that the wife finally succeeded in, in her, one of her attempts to burn down the house she lit the house up and mr rochester goes back in and and saves the servants and in his attempt to save the wife uh he gets one of his eye is destroyed it gets burned and one of his hands is destroyed in the fire and the wife jumps off from the ceiling from the roof and dies and he gets injured Right. So he can't see and he can't use his hand. Okay. And I just think like what that moment had to happen in that book. It had to happen because he had to redeem himself (laughs) for us readers. He had to redeem himself for the very selfish things he was doing. And what a way to go. He tries to save this wife who 
has made his life miserable, but he put her life above his own. And then he ser- he saves the servants, knowing that he could be killed. Okay. And, and it, right? And so all she right. hears all these things uh, when she goes to the tavern to find out what happens. And her heart, you can just imagine what's going on with her heart. Like, she still loves this man. Uh-huh. And... Um, and I think at first she's scared that he's gone. And, and, and so she's so happy to hear this. So then she travels to where his new home is, which is more modest home. Like he's doing, he's more, he's living more modestly. Okay. And he is just more of a quiet man, not loud and whatever as he was before. He's more of a quiet man, but very, very sad. So very, he's, he's been tempered. By He's, this experience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very much so. And uh so she gets there and um she meets the housekeeper who she's always loved. And the housekeeper's so excited to see her and he and she says to him, He has not been the same since you left. Like after Jane left, he pretty much locked himself in his room for a month or two. He pretty much just was destroyed. Okay. And anyway, so then he's in the parlor waiting his tea or whatever. And she goes in and he thinks it's the housekeeper. And um, is this because he's blind or in? Well, he didn't look, but yeah, it's pretty much. I think he, I think he can see somewhat in one eye, but like definitely not much at all in the other okay so so he wasn't one he wasn't looking at her and two yeah he's blind right and um and finally she says something and he stills he's like go still oh okay and he pretty much like wow i've gone insane (laughs) (laughs) like he's pretty much please don't don't do this to me like Like, i cannot like i don't joke like who, stop pretending to be jane like like jane. am i imagining like my jane's not here my jane's gone she's not here and and then he finds out she's there for real and he is just like it's just amazing to hear the story from his side he's like i don't care that you wanted to leave me i cared that you left in the middle of the night with nothing and i had no idea mm. no idea what happened to you Okay. The woman he loves is gone. She didn't take her clothing. She didn't have much money, and it was there was a fierce rainstorm. And it's and it's not like rainstorms aren't deadly. I mean, like this is nineteenth century yeah. England, yeah. where anything scratch, could have happened. Scratch yourself on a rose bush, and you could end up getting infected <laughs> and dying because. I, I, this is probably not accurate at all. Probably people survive getting scratched by rose bushes just fine most of the time. <laughs> yeah. But so many other things, yeah, hypothermia, and so many other things could happen to her. Thieves sure. and other, like a, a woman alone, right? Okay. okay. Um, and so uh, he's just, there is, that was his number one worry. And he, knowing his Jane is there, like they reconcile. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful scene that even thinking about 
now just moves me so much. And then the famous line of Jane Eyre and the one that really struck me is like the next scene, she says, I married him, dear reader. <laughs> fort wall. She broke the fort wall. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> no. Um, and then like she talks about like how they got married and um, he regained enough of his vision to see. To be able to see their son when she gives birth to him just in time to see their son okay, okay their son after she gives birth to him anyways so this is the story of jane Eyre, and and i loved it so much and i still do although i need to read it again because obviously perspectives change as circumstances change mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but again what i loved about it is her strong character and and just like she started out with not very much but through random good people placed in her life and her own goodness and her own strength Mm -hmm. she was able to improve her circumstances in a way most weren't able to at that time period okay okay i mean she became an independently wealthy woman she married the men, the love of her life. She had a family and um, and she remained close with her cousins, like writing them and stuff like that. The clergyman and the two sisters. Yeah, mostly the two sisters. But yeah, the clergyman okay. was, she made sure to still get, send him letters and stuff like that. Let's stop here for a quick break. Hi, dear listener. This is Darian. This episode is basically all going to be about Jane Eyre. We did talk more in our recording session. I talked about the field of dreams, but you're going to, just fair warning, you're going to have to wait till next episode before you get to hear that half of the conversation. So later on in the recording, when I say stuff like, okay, then we'll move on to my story or whatever I say, fair warning, you're not going to get that today. You're going to get it next time, but... It's pretty good. So, it should be worth the wait. All right. Now you get to hear from my wife, who's amazing. Hello, dear listener. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. If you would like to support the show, please head on over to Patreon, where you can either just donate to the show or join our community of storytellers. And I would like to share a story with you. When I was a little girl, I was very very afraid of the dark to the point where I would not get off the bed to go to the bathroom and I would pee on my bed of course I was very young I was between two or three years old uh two or four years old actually and um I would just have such bad nightmares and I remember that my aunts loved to watch the show The Incredible Hulk and Although I didn't get a lot of the show, being as young as I was, I did understand that the Incredible Hulk helped people who were afraid. And so at night, I would ask that God send the Incredible Hulk to help me not be so afraid, to help me um, fight the evil guys in my dream and any evil in the dark. And it happened. I would dream Whenever I was having a nightmare, I would dream the Incredible Hulk would come and sweep me up in his arms and keep me protected as he fought the bad guys away. 
and it changed it changed the way I slept I didn't have actually I don't remember having many nightmares like that after that and I remember not being as afraid of the dark still a bit afraid but not as afraid I felt comforted and so a few months ago when my boys started getting afraid of the dark I shared with them that story and I didn't think it would make much of a difference but I was very surprised a few days later how my little boy told me that he's been praying that the Incredible Hulk comes and helps him and that is exactly what has happened. He hasn't been afraid of the dark as much. He actually hasn't complained at all about the dark, really. And my boys run around pretending to be the Incredible Hulk. They're really obsessed with him. They pretend that he's their best friend. Every story we tell them at night has to involve the Incredible Hulk in some form or another. It was just wonderful that I had this experience as a little girl, and I shared that story with my own children, that changed the way they approached their bedtime. That changed the way they perceived fear and they perceived what a hero looks like. That changed how afraid they were to go to bed and made it so that they were happy to go to bed and that they weren't scared. That's to me, is amazing. If you can tell a story that helps someone to be courageous or not be scared, I think that's very important. Now back to the show. Okay, so I have to describe this for people to understand how this made me feel, how this book made me feel. Around, so the way I read Jane Eyre's, I had my friend and I volunteered in the office during lunchtime we were such dorks <laughs> during lunchtime uh, at, at our freshman or sophomore year. And the secretary in the office gave us uh, books as Christmas gifts that year. Oh, okay. Me, she gave... Which uh, is the perfect thing to give you. Yes. Like always. <laughs> yes. If you... I prefer a gift card because I'm very specific about what I read. But yes. <laughs> but yeah, a book is always a good, good, good gift. But she gave my friend Remember Me and she gave me Jane Eyre. And I was so disappointed. And my friend was so okay. disappointed. We both <laughs> okay. love to read. But uh, because around that time, I was just so, so, so sick of classic books. Because I actually had loved, loved classic books. I had loved Emily Bronte, which is Charlotte Bronte's sister. Uh-huh. Her book. Withering Heights had been my favorite for a long time. Um, I read that in seventh or eighth grade, and it was my favorite for a long, long time. So it's funny that her sister's book ends up being my favorite, and I didn't even seek out to read it or anything. But I, I love classic books, but I have gotten so sick and tired of how depressed they made me feel. <laughs> uh-huh. I, I just got to a point where I was like, why? Why are all my teachers assigning us these books? And of course, I read some myself, you know, because I love them so much. And and I had been, um, it's just be- had become one of my favorite genres to read be- right before this point. And 
I am the kind of person when I consume content, it forms and defines me. So something depressing depressed me all week. I mean, not like I hadn't, I didn't have moments of happiness or whatever, but I realized that it just stayed in my heart for a really long time. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And these books were so beautiful and well written. But why couldn't they give me some kind of freaking either good closure or happy ending? <laughs> I was so tired of books like The Crucible, The Catcher of the Rye, um, Animal House, or any of those. I was just so sick and tired of these books that kept me, that left me feeling so down. Mm-hmm. What was the point? And I remember I expressed this to a couple of people and they said, Doreen, you just have to grow up and you just have to just realize that life isn't all about rainbows and roses. This is what happens. And these books are good at telling you, at at showing you that. And these books are good at just preparing you for life. I call bull crap. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because like I and I remember thinking is this what it means to live is this what it means to be an adult is like all these depressing things happen and you just have to be okay with it and I was just like I had gotten to a point where I was like no I refuse to have that be my my reality I want to look forward to being an adult and I want to look forward to living life and I don't want to think that horrible things are around each corner yes sad and hard things happen as portrayed on Jane Eyre Uh but that uh doesn't mean one you have to take it lying down two you have to let your situation define you or three that you cannot seek happiness or find it and that's what the book represented to me so and so when she gave us that book, we were both depressed and we actually switched books. <laughs> to, we're like, we'll read both because she gave it to us, but let's switch it and read it. And I loved Remember Me by Mary Higgins Clark. And I actually started an obsession with her book and I read all her books and I really got into mystery books at that point. And then um, my friend really loved Jane Eyre a lot, a lot, a lot. So then we switched back. We had our original books. And we each fell in love with our own books even more. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> we'll keep our own. But like, like I remember the moment it was late at night when I, I really forced myself to read it. I did not want to read it, but I was like, you know what? It was a gift and I need to give it a shot. And plus like my friend and I exchanged it. She's going to ask me about it. I need to just read it. <laughs> and boy, am I so so happy I did because it was just such a hopeful book I read it constantly throughout my high school years and some college years but um I I that's what that book represented to me it represented so much more the way she just told the story was just so beautiful like and one thing I had also been tired of a hero's fatal flaw which is what they teach about all the time. All these heroes, all heroes have a fatal flaw. But okay. she was my hero and she was flawed, but it wasn't fatal. Um, okay. it, she, it wasn't like ugh, some books where the hero cheats on someone and 
and that's his fatal flaw. Like he has a hard time being faithful. To me, that's not a hero. That kind of thing <laughs> drives me insane. And and another thing that's interesting about Jane Eyre is that typically I do not like books that suggest in any way that someone who is married is having a emotional, mental, or physical affair with someone else. As soon as I see that in a story, I'm pretty much turned off. I don't hear the story. I don't. I just, I'm not connected anymore. Something about it just has never been my cup of tea. I, so, dear listener, just, just a little bit of, um, I guess, to color that in a little bit, uh, Loreen and I, a couple years ago, watched The Greatest Showman. <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll try to keep this as spoiler-free as possible, but there, there's a woman who is not the main character's wife that um the the movie kind of hints that that the main character might be having feelings for even though he's married to this 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 his childhood sweetheart right and in and it turns out that like no he actually didn't have feelings for her um but the very thought, like just this little brief amount of time in the movie where there's that hint of it was enough to make Lorene never want to watch that movie again. Ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the music. I really do. But it's hard for me to say whether it's a good movie or not, because so much of that movie, my heart was like tight and I was like preparing myself for something to happen of that nature because of the hinting and it never happened which is great but i find like my heart was still just tight with uh -huh. the suggestion of it and i could not i could not enjoy the movie i could not because i was so sure that's what was going to happen that i couldn't even pay attention to what was going on and of course that's my own flaw but but it's just is what it is and so if i saw it again knowing what would happen maybe um it would be different I, I mean, I love the music. Oh my goodness, yeah. such and good and music! And I've tried to watch it with you since then, and you've been like, "No, I, I just can't." It's true. I just, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Um, yeah. And so it is interesting that I could still, again, I think the reason I can still enjoy that movie, that book, so much is because he had that that one. She ran away from that situation. She did not allow herself to be in that situation. Two, thank goodness, since it was a classic book, it's not like during those time periods, people slept with each other. Thank goodness. And so she did not get physically intimate in that way with him. Yeah, I mean, she went from um, being this bride to... Um, spending time with another man enough to where they got like he proposed mm -hmm. um and then breaking that whole thing off uh and going back to the first man within the course of you said about a year yeah it might have been yeah plus or minus i wish i could remember exactly what that time period uh, was and that's not probably it's not real important we get that right but it's in my head when you first described it i was thinking oh five years later because she had to leave the one guy, get figure out things out on her own, become a rich heiress, um, 
have this relationship with this guy to the point where he wants to marry her and move to India. To me, that seems like a five-year kind of of list of events. Yeah, but but I don't think it was that long. Yeah, so... But, yeah. Yeah, anyways, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that one, it was just so nice to read that. Now, I still stayed away from classic. I mean, obviously, I was forced to read more because it's high school. But uh-huh. I stayed away from reading it personally, like my own personal choice. And once I graduated, I stayed very much away from that. But <laughs> this backfired on me, right? Twice. One is uh, Anne of Green Gables. I was actually watching a movie, the movie as a kid. Mm-hmm. Then... I had to leave to go visit my uncle and I didn't want to leave because I was so fascinated by that story. I should have just read the books and I, I would have, uh, but something happened. So when I got back, it was, I thought to the ending scene where uh, Gilbert, the love interest died (laughs) and Uh I turned off the TV, turned it off. This was like, um, actually this happened before Jane Eyre. So this was another example for me of how classics are like horrible, uh, not horrible. They're like great storytelling, like beautiful and the storytelling aspect of it, but like horrible for my mental psych because of the depre- how depressing it can be. Uh-huh. And it wasn't until later in my early 20s that a friend's like, I was like, yeah, but it's horrible. Gilbert died. She's like, what? I'm like, you know, Gilbert died. She's like, Lorene? Don't tell me all these years you thought he died. If you had waited one more minute, you would have seen he survived. <laughs> one more minute. Like, seriously, literally one spoiler, minute. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, and then the other way that backfired on me is that I had really wanted to read Little Women. And I was going to read it right before the movie com- uh, came out. And uh, <laughs> that ages me <laughs> for you guys. But I, I, well, anyway, there's a lot of so, Little Women movies. It's true. It's true. Um, if you would have said when the book came out, <laughs> that would have been different. Th- yeah, that would have aged you. Um, so my, but then my sister accidentally lets it slip that the my my character who I from the trailer I was like, oh, I really like her. Beth dies, and I was Wasn't like, it Joe that dies. No, no, Joe's Beth? no Beth. Is the sister that dies? Oh, okay. the sickly sister. And I was like, "Are you kidding me? Freaking forget it!" And this was like, <laughs> this was af- this was after Jane Eyre, um, and I was like, "Freaking forget it! I am not gonna put myself through that just to fall in love with this character and then have her die on me when she." I feel so much like I felt like I had so much in common with her, uh-huh. and me being as close as i am as i am to my own sister it's just forget it it was just traumatic and so just the other day like what was it a few months ago uh your mom and your sisters they were having a a A, women's day let's go yeah let's go have a girl's day and they wanted to watch the new little women that was released and i was just so not wanting to do that i was like I have avoided anything to do with that movie or book for so many years. This was from high school till now. And now I have to do it. No, I don't want to do it. But 
I wanted to spend time with them, right? I wanted to bond with them. So reluctantly, I said yes. And we went and watched the movie. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I prepared myself for Beth's death. But here is what gets to me. What gets to me is, one, I loved it. I love the story. And, and here's the thing. I always do. I most of the time, most of the time, not always, love classics when I read them. Okay. Um, what gets to me was that it's a lot more hopeful than I thought it would be, which is very okay. appealing to me and both. Uh-huh. And the character, the main character, Joe, is actually the person I'm most like. And I would have discovered that if i had (laughs) read it like she didn't want to get married which was me as well she loves to write and read which was me as well and and she just liked being defined and put in a box like i would have actually much more bonded with her than i would have beth it was just such a beautiful lovely story Uh and despite the dying of beth it was so so hopeful and happy and i missed out on that because i had this (laughs) thing blocking my mind about the classics and i still do to be honest um but yeah but i love jane Eyre because it it helped me at that state of my life to understand myself and and to understand the world around me and my my abilities, like what I was capable of in the future. It was just so hopeful and it helped me not see the 1800s as, as like everyone in the 1800s must have been miserable <laughs> or, or any of those classic times. Like, man, people were miserable in the past because these are the books they wrote. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So you, you you watched the movie and it was it was much better than you thought. Yeah, for uh, little women, yeah. Okay. But I kind of think that in a lot of things, having low expectations is one of the best things we can do <laughs> to to really enjoy something. Um. Yeah i i uh, I didn't enjoy Shrek the first movie because did a lot of things that so like what what some of my favorite books i don't think they're my favorite books anymore but it used to be um what are they called um the enchanted forest chronicles Mm. and the main character is this uh this girl who gets kidnapped by a dragon i love that series as a kid yeah it it was way fun and it, it basically plays with a lot of fantasy tropes and then makes fun of them. Um, And Shrek does the same thing, but Shrek didn't do it nearly as well, in my opinion. And I was like, oh, this is like a lame, like the story's not as good as Enchanted Forest Chronicles and the jokes. I've basically heard them all before and they are not as good as Enchanted Forest Chronicles and I did not enjoy Shrek. However, one day, me and my friend Mike, when Shrek 2 came out, went and watched it in the theater, and I was delighted by that movie because <laughs> I was expecting nothing. I was expecting nothing 
because Shrek was such a horrible movie in my opinion. Like, <laughs> like, uh, it, like, and I was just like, okay, well, I know what I'm getting into, so I can just enjoy this. And I got into it, and I enjoyed it. And I, I don't think I ever watched it again. But for that time I spent with my buddy Mike, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true it's so true there's so many p- movies or books very low expectation i find it's it's much easier at least for me and i don't know about anyone else maybe you're different dear listener but it is much easier for me to shrug off a movie than it is a book a book I get so immersed, a written story, I get so immersed in it and to their thoughts and like the description of their feelings when the author is a good storyteller. And whereas a movie, um, the storytelling's with, you're shown, but at least you're not as much inside their head. So mm-hmm. I don't feel, I mean, I still feel it profoundly and it still affects me, but just a book affects me more. And I think one of the strengths of like a novel in particular is you do get exactly the thoughts that are in their head with a movie. You can imply it. Um, I mean, maybe you can have like somebody looking ponderous while a voiceover goes, should I be doing this or blah, 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 maybe that. But like, it's not nearly to the same strength i guess that 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 a novel can do it where you can really find out exactly what's in someone's head so mm-hmm. yeah that's that's something that a novel was really good at that mm-hmm. other mediums um can't can't really do or can't do as well mm-hmm. or at least uh it leaves you to grasp a lot of things on your own and so what you see and feel what you see and think about a scene is very dependent upon you. Actually, that's true for all stories. But yeah. I guess what and, I'm... Yeah, you're right. But, you know, like... I, can I talk a little bit about um, The Greatest Showman again? Sure. I was going like, to ask you what your story was, but oh, okay. go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, because we're, we're... We've been here a lo- yeah. quite a while. Yeah, but yeah. so my... Um, the scene in Greatest Showman where the main character kind of realizes the what's the situation he finds himself in with this other woman. Like he's, he's just out kind of having fun and doing this uh, promotional event with this woman who's a singer and the singer is getting rather emotionally close to him, but to him, he's just, he sees her as an act that he is promoting for, you know, a for tool. entertainment. He pretty much, I feel, sees her as a tool to being... To make money. To make money and being seen as better than what yeah. he was. And and there's, in the scene where, like, they're, like, sharing a champagne drink or something right before her show, and... He looks at her and realizes, holy cow, what what kind of situation am I in? All that, ha- all that is portrayed with a look, like uh, just a look he has. It's not like you don't get to have this inner 
dialogue. You don't you don't get to find out exactly what he's thinking. The only thing you get is he looks at her and all of a sudden he's really concerned about where he is, about who he's with. He's like, what am I doing here with this woman who's not my wife? I need to get myself out of here as fast as I can. It's all portrayed with just a look, which is Jack really a cool. Really good actor. He's a really good actor to portray all that. Um, but that's, I think, more how movies have to portray that is is with uh, very good acting rather than uh, with uh, finding out word for word what somebody is thinking. Next time on the Share Story Podcast. Have you ever seen The Field of Dreams? I love that movie so much. Uh, he's just like, hey, I'm looking for a place to play baseball, you know, and and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Archie Graham. And it got to the point where he made it to the major leagues, but he only got to play in one inning of one game. This kid, he just runs from where he's at to the edge of the baseball field, and he takes one second to stare at the threshold and as he steps over the line he transforms from this 20 year old kid into this 70 year old doctor you find out that he can't go back to the baseball field as a ball player he's now transformed into this doctor he gave up his dream for a second time now he just kind of walks off the field and goes into the corn. A sacrifice I feel like I had to make was the way I thought about a career and regards to my family. I just had a certain idea of how I was going to do my career along with raising a family, and that totally changed once I actually had children. It was that having children made me understand exactly what I liked and liked and realized I wasn't happy in my career and I wasn't happy with the way it was going and I had to change it. I like the idea of sacrifice because I find it very heroic.